This video is brought to you by Devout Decals, makers of reusable Catholic art for your home altar, your bedroom, and your home classroom. I say again and again that they are remaking the church into their own image, that they are constructing the ape of the church right before our eyes, and that this synod of synods will be a major event in the history of Catholicism that will help them achieve that goal. It is a de facto Third Vatican Council, as binding as Vatican II, which is to say not binding at all, and even more transformative in nature than the Council of the Modernists in the 1960s. If what we have seen before was the triumph of the Modernists at Vatican II in their quest to seize the reins of power in the Church, then what is coming will be the triumph of the Modernists in reducing the faithful to a tiny remnant, while few in the world will probably even notice. Let's talk about what it is we're up against today. We are being called to defend the church, and we must know who it is we are defending it against. Let's dive in. It turns out that the war against the traditional Latin Mass and the synods are connected. And I mean, I've been saying that for some time now, and many of you in the comments on YouTube or Facebook have been saying the same thing as well. They want the Latin Mass to be buried and mostly unavailable by the time they implement their changes to the church through their silly synods. The most simplest law in the church is what this is all about. Lex Arandi, Lex Credendi, Lex Vivendi. As we worship, so we believe, so we live. The two rites of the Mass cannot coexist, not in the minds of the modernists who run the church now. They couldn't let people just go to Mass on Sunday where they want to and be left alone. And why can't they coexist? Take a look at the story out of Germany that no one is talking about in America. Now, due to the topics, I have to use some fun substitution words here, but I think you'll get it. From Mesa and Latino. Headline. Ordination of Father Brenda, end of celibacy, and blessing of James Martin Unions. German bishop insists we will make reforms. None of these things can exist in a world where the Mass is understood primarily as a representation of the sacrifice of Calvary of our blessed Lord on the cross to the Father, which is what the Mass is. It's not a community meal, despite what the modernists and so-called council fathers tried to say, but that's how they present the post-conciliar liturgy at the places where it isn't reverent meaning, frankly, in most places, the vast majority of places. The headline reflects their main goal of the synod, to turn the Catholic Church into something she is not. Quote, The German bishop Franz Josef Bode is sure of this. The end of the synodal journey, underway in Germany, these objectives will finally be achieved. But it takes patience, preaches the bishop. Speaking to a Protestant mass media, the bishop of Osnabrück, Franz Josef Bode, said he was confident. The synodal assembly of the church in Germany will lead to the desired reforms in the church. Among these, the ordination of Father Brenda and the blessing of James Martin Unions. Monsignor Franz Josef Bode, vice president of the German Bishops Conference, he assured that at the next meeting of the Synodal Assembly, he would raise again the arguments in favor of the ordination of married men and women and the blessing of James Martin Unions. But he said if one pretends to obtain these results with a raised fist and vehemently, only opposing forces are evoked. Furthermore, he added, this is not my mentality. I am not a revolutionary. The prelate believes that with perseverance, more can be achieved. As in a spiral, we are slowly but surely approaching the goal. The changes of the last 50 years demonstrate this. End quote. Yes, that's a rough translation of an Italian language article. But look what he's admitting to. The changes of the last 50 years in the church, that's since Vatican II and the institution of the new mass, have been the goal of what they're pursuing with the synodal way. His words, 
That's an astonishing admission, since we as meanie poopoo-headed trads have been saying this for the last 50 years. Go back to the speeches of Father Hess or John Venari or Michael Davies, and they'll tell you the same thing. They were working towards this, and now they think they're on the cusp of achieving their goals. I'll have that story and others I cite here linked in my show notes at returntotradition.org. That's the name of this podcast with the .org at the end. Skip past the Patreon pop-up unless you become a patron of the channel, and you'll see the post under today's episode title. But what we are up against are people who occupy offices in the church that do not believe that the Catholic Church is the Bride of Christ, that the, she is the spotless Bride of Christ, that the institution is just one among many on earth, but one that was given some special mission by God, and now we must change the institution to fit the times. Need proof that they are heretics, because that's what we're talking about here. Headline from LaCroix International. Nostalgia for the past can no longer serve a pastoral model. Theologian says the problem with traditionalist Catholicism is its so-called fidelity to the ecclesial institution rather than to the word of God, with Jesus Christ as the son of Israel. Now, do you see what he's doing here? This so-called theologian is putting the institutions of the church and fidelity to the church that was established by Christ in conflict or tension with fidelity to our blessed Lord himself. It's repugnant, but it is modernism, so what should we really expect? It is important to understand something here. One of the principal aims of the ape of the church is the construction of the universal church of man. That is what the ape of the church is, something that pretends to be the Catholic church but isn't, and instead serves to unite all of mankind under the false gospel of unity under some new theology. That is what the ape of the church is. So to that end, from the LaCroix article, the author speaks of Traditionis Custodis in the Synod, and why Francis has to act as he did. Quote, It is the protection of unity that motivates the Pope's move. More than togetherness, it is communion that distinguishes our journey, in the full sense of the concept revived by Vatican II. The Church is not so much in communion as communion itself. From the perspective of synodality, we can see in Traditionis Custodis a proposal similar to the one that animated Samorum Pontificum to correct the reductive interpretations that undermine the unity of the community, except that it is no longer a question of correcting a hermeneutic of rupture with a hermeneutic of continuity, as Benedict XVI wished. What is profoundly and decisively at stake is the degree of fidelity that Catholicism has towards revelation, the word of God, when it limits itself to the Tridentine tradition, the Second Vatican Council's dogmatic constitution on divine revelation, de verbum, the word of God, is what is being evoked through bringing together of traditionis custodis with the theology of synodality, and even more so Nostra Aetate, the Vatican II declaration on the relation of the church with non-Christian religions, end quote. Synodality, ending the Latin Mass, and Vatican II, and especially the document on religions external to our faith are what is explicitly being invoked here. And that theologian is not wrong about that much, at least in a sense. Traditionis Custodis and statements by Francis leading up to it made it clear that there never really was a hermeneutic of continuity, that Benedict's project of bridging preconciliar Catholicism with what came after was never going to work. The hermeneutic of continuity is dead by Francis' own admission. In this article, the author says that what he calls Tridentine ecclesiology, meaning a vision of the church from the Council of Trent, or as embodied in the traditional Latin Mass, will not work with what is coming in the church. Quote, if Francis is so severe about any nostalgia for the past, in this case, the Tridentine heritage, it is because the views fed by this tradition, formed alone from the two great schisms, can no longer serve as a pastoral model for the totally new situation we are entering. What this act of the magisterium unmasks is basically a form of idolatry. 
If misunderstanding is spreading to other ecclesial circles, it is less a matter of the secret sympathy for traditionalism than, perhaps, of diffuse concern. It is as if Francis's action by ricochet revealed in a cross-cutting matter a tendency or temptation that is affecting the entire church. Each one of us, when we shirk the demands of the first and greatest commandment, which is to love the Lord alone with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength, more than our many things. This includes the liturgical things. Like a mirror image, the reactions the motu proprio has provoked something about our times and also about our state of being, end quote. Now, the two great schisms the author is referring to is the so-called Protestant Reformation and the renewed East-West schism, which had been overcome in the 15th century, but then was reborn at the direction of the Ottoman Empire for one reason or another. Interesting little footnote of history there. But think about what he is saying. A mass that was good enough for the greatest saints of the church in the last 500 years is now idolatry for us, and it is a stumbling block to not only unity in the church, but unity with forces outside the church. That's remarkable. Folks, I don't often ask this of you, but this claim by the author at LaCroix is so monumental and revealing that if you think people around you need to see it, share this video or podcast with them, please. But this is naked, unadulterated modernism, and modernism is the synthesis of all heresies. Stephen White, writing at the Catholic thing, had a piece on modernism and Traditionis Custodis, where he gave a lot of good quotes by popes against the errors of the modernists, and I'm going to use a couple of them for you here. Remember something, though. If someone in the church knowingly holds to a position the church has defined as a heresy, then they are a formal heretic, and they are outside of the church until they take the steps needed to reconcile with the church. Remember that. These people are not Catholic, at least some of them, and that begs a lot of questions. But Mr. White reminds us that the Pope saw the ways in which the enemies of Catholicism had infiltrated the church to spread their materialist and modernist errors. According to Blessed Pius IX, one of these ways is that the typical Catholic or innocent enough prelate helps them spread their errors inadvertently by giving them the benefit of the doubt. Quote, Even though the children of this world are more clever than the children of light, their traps, the enemies of the church, would have so much less success if it were not for so many who hold out a helping hand and still call themselves Catholic. Yes, unfortunately, there are those who seem to wish to march with our enemies and go out of their way to establish an alliance between the light and darkness, between justice and iniquity. These are more dangerous and deadly than declared enemies because they support their efforts without being noticed, perhaps not even without realizing it themselves, because they remain within the extreme limit of formally condemned opinions. They show a certain sign of apparent integrity and unreproachable doctrine, convincing thereby imprudent amateurs who support conciliation and mislead honest souls who would have revolted against the declared error. End quote. That is, we help them ourselves by trying to hold firm to what the church actually teaches, while allying ourselves with questionable figures who are good on some things but terrible on others. And think about the implications of that. Now, Mr. White also reminds us that good old-fashioned Catholic truth is not compatible at all with error, and that we cannot reject the truths of the faith and accept the errors of the modernists at all. The popes knew that Catholic truth is completely incompatible with error, and that it is absurd to accept some Catholic teachings and to reject others. Quote, For such is the nature of faith that nothing can be more absurd than to accept some things and reject others. Faith, as the Church teaches, is that supernatural virtue by which, through the help of God and through the assistance of His grace, we believe what he has revealed to be true, not on account of the intrinsic truth perceived by the natural light of reason, but because of the authority of God himself, the revealer, who can neither deceive nor be deceived. If then it be certain that anything is revealed by God and this is not believed, then nothing whatever is believed by divine faith. End quote. 
Those were the words of Leo XIII in his encyclical letter Satis Cognitum of 1896, and I believe I have that recorded on this channel if you want to hear it in full. For those wondering, the Church has been formally battling the modernists and their errors since like the 1840s and the forerunners of the modernists since the 18th century, if not earlier. This battle has characterized our period of history since the Reformation, more or less. Mr. Mr. White's hardest point is a simple one. To paraphrase him, if the pre-Vatican II popes were wrong about modernism, and if the documents of Vatican II that clearly contradict the teachings of the Supreme Pontiffs from before the Council are correct, then the entirety of the faith is a man-made fiction. Now, I don't believe the faith is a man-made fiction, which leaves me only to stand with the popes from before the Council, and that's fine by me, though it leaves us all with few options as things get worse in the Church. Remember, most of us are expecting the ex-Ecclesia Dei communities like the FSSP to get hammered by Rome right around Ash Wednesday. And when that happens, all bets are off as to what comes next. But now they're admitting it. They're saying that the ecclesiology, the theology of how to church, to use their terminology of the traditional liturgy, is not compatible with what is coming. The lex arandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi of Catholicism is not compatible with their synodal church. They admit it. And that is why they are moving against the deposit of the faith with relative lightning speed. What will you do about it? What will you do as things get worse? Let me know in the comments, please. And like and subscribe if you haven't. It really does help. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.